0: I love the fact that I consider you like an ambassador for fatherhood, too, because you've always known you wanted to be a dad. We, right now, we've got a fatherless crisis going on in the country. We've got too many kids growing up without Agreed. a father, without a father figure. So we need voices like yours out there to shed the light on how important it is to become a father.
1: Well, Alec, it's, it's an epidemic, and it's, it's, it's another one. I know we're all talking about the COVID, but one of the, one of the epidemics we got going is what you just brought up. And we've had it going for a while fatherless. What's doing everybody?
0: I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for watching First Class Fatherhood. I have got some incredible dads that'll be joining me here on the podcast in 2022. I'm going to get this year started by hitting you guys with a First Class Fatherhood classic with my most downloaded episode from 2021 with Academy Award winning actor and First Class Father Matthew McConaughey. This was recorded in February of 2021. I'm going to replay the episode for you here. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all of the upcoming episodes that I'll be hitting you guys with this year. Enjoy this rebroadcast of my interview with Matthew McConaughey. Joining me now, first-class father, Matthew McConaughey. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Hey, good to be here. Good to be a father, too.
0: (laughs) Well, let's start it right there. How many kids do you have? How old are they?
1: I got three. I got Levi, 12. Vita's our daughter at 10, and Livingston's our other son at 8. So we got three.
0: Yeah, very cool. What kind of sports or activities are they all into?
1: Well, um... They've all kind of taken up soccer because, one, they're, they're, their mother's Brazilian, uh, so soccer's in their blood. Number two, my work takes me all over the world. And so whether you're in Cleveland, Jersey, Mauritius, South Africa, Switzerland, or Iceland, they're the one ball, the international game, is that soccer ball. So they can pick up a game wherever they go. Um they bought they are uh, the two young boys, uh, uh, pretty crafty at football. They both got some speed. Um, and my uh, eldest is really taking an affection to surfing when we can get to the coast. He really, really has taken affection to that. Um, the girl, my daughter, Vita, um, she's getting into volleyball. Um, we're trying to get her a little bit more into uh, the activity of sports because she's actually quite coordinated and pretty. We're pretty darn good, darn good at it when she puts her mind to it. um But those would be the sports they're into.
0: Yeah, very cool. And, and, and jumping here uh, on the book, Green Lights. I mentioned to you before. I listened to the audio book. I thought it was uh, phenomenal. I love the way you do the the, the the voices of all the different people in your life, especially the Australian family, and then how you change your pitch for the prescribes and for the notes to self. Uh, I cool. thought it was really well done. I listened to a lot well, of audio you. books. So, Um, For my listeners here, what can you tell my listeners? um, Why did you decide to write the book? And what can my listeners expect when they read Green Lights?
1: Here's what you got, man. So I've been keeping journals for 36 years. Um, I've been threatening to to go away with those journals and see if something was worth sharing in a book. I didn't have the courage to do that because I said I'm going to I don't want to go look back at the last 50 years of my life. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to see a egotistical, cocky little SOB that I was at certain times and not like him. But uh, about two and a half years ago, I did get the courage to go, well, let's go find out what I got and who I've been over the last 50 years and see if I got something worth sharing. Um, was I embarrassed? you damn right I was. Was I ashamed? Yes, I was. Was I that cocky little SOB I thought I was? Yeah, I was. But most of the times I was embarrassed. I ended up laughing. Most of the things I was ashamed of, I ended up forgiving myself for. And then what I figured, what I found out um, of those times when I was a little arrogant SOB is... The times of my life, when I was that little arrogant SOB, it gave me the confidence to put myself in a position to get humbled very quickly after that. Um, So, look, Green Lights, it's an approach book. Man, We're all trying to work out this riddle called life. I've learned some things along the way. I've seen things, heard things, stole things, tried to use things. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. I've kept a track of the things that did, that I think are applicable to anybody. Uh, personally. um, And I pointed out some things that did not work that I think are applicable to anybody else. So hopefully you can get some uh, some some few wisdom bombs out of it that might help might help you get a little more satisfied in your own life. And hopefully you're going to get a few belly laughs along the way, maybe even at my expense.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely going to include the link in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get over there, tap it. And take a listen. Now, one thing I found interesting, Matthew, here, you talk about uh, when you auditioned for a time to kill and you got an opportunity to go for the lead part. And and they told you, hey, how would you play this part as Matthew McConaughey? How would he play the part? And you weren't a father yet at the time, but you kind of went into the imagination of how would a father be in this situation? Now, years later, you are a father. Uh, Looking back, how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective? And looking back, do you think you hit that pretty accurately in that audition?
1: well i think i did um you know if you if, if you look back at the film a time to kill there's a final summation that the character jake Brigance, the character that i was playing makes and it's it's he goes to the heart of the matter um and challenges the jury you know what if this happened to your daughter um and it happened to be it was it was about race relations so it was an all-white jury and the crime had been committed to a, a young black girl so in, the, in summation, this final sort of coup de grace is now what if this little girl was white? But it was all really about, what if you had a daughter? What if it was your child and this happened? What would you feel? Um, I felt like I had a good understanding of that back then, even though I was not biologically and literally a father in my own life. Again, as I bring up in the book, the one thing, the only thing I've ever known that I wanted to be was a father. I knew since I was eight years old that I wanted to be a father, that That, to me, is, oh, when you've made it in life, when you've succeeded. Now, I've become a father. What happens when we become fathers? Well, one, as any parent kind of knows, directly or indirectly, now we sort of become immortal. Now our lineage is passed on. We passed on a generation that hopefully outlives us and passes on another generation. Um, What else have I learned as a father that I did not know then? Well, that it's more DNA than environment than I thought. I mean they are who they are when they come out of their mother's womb and yeah we can shepherd them but they are their own individuals much more so than i thought they were before becoming a father um you know but now you start living for the you start living for the the, the future and you're in and, and, and anywhere we go as fathers out in our life alone even if our children aren't with us we are still the couriers we still have them every action we take out out in life even that's not directly with our children it affects our children. So we're not just living for ourselves anymore. We, we, we brought these little creatures into the, into the world that need us. Don't just want us, need us for their survival.
0: Yeah, right on with that. I, I love the fact that I consider you like an ambassador for fatherhood, too, because you've always known you wanted to be a dad. We, right now, we've got a fatherless crisis going on in the country. We've got too many kids growing up without Agreed. a father, without a father figure. So we need voices like yours out there to shed the light on how important it is to become a father.
1: Well, Alec, it's it's an epidemic, and it's 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 another one. I know we're all talking about the COVID, but one of the one of the epidemics we got going is what you just brought up. We've had it going for a while. Fatherless. Look, we all got to understand. More people have to understand that um, fatherhood's a verb. It ain't like you helped make the baby and then you did it, and now you're a father. Oh, now the work just begins. And so. If we're gonna say, let's just say for stereotypes, we're gonna keep our child, our child are gonna stay in our house till they're 18 on average, all right? It's 18 years of hard, good work to be a father. You can't just say, oh, I'm a father and, and, be, and, be, a, and be a no-show just because you made the baby. No, you may be a, a daddy, but you, you you're not the father yet. The fatherhood takes work. Um, hopefully you can have a two-parent home Where you and the mother have a similar moral bottom line for with which to, you know, understand what you expect of your children and they can understand what's expected of them, that we can prepare our children to be able to go out in the world when, say, they're 18 and go out alone and navigate and negotiate the world because the world's tough out there. And as you know, as all fathers know, fatherhood doesn't mean you're the best friend. They don't need a best friend right now. You can be a best friend to them later on, you know. And also, saying no is a hell of a lot harder than saying yes. What takes a hell of a lot more time, but I think it's worth it because if they don't understand, if we don't prepare them the right way for consequences in our and while they're in our household, they're going to get out in the world not be able to negotiate. And the the real world bites a hell of a lot harder than the world does. When you're a child growing up at home, 18 and under. So we got to get them prepared for that. And yeah, we need as many, we, you know, we got too many, too many, too many fathers quit early, pull the, pull pull the parachute early and say, oh, the going got tough. I'm out. No, no, no. That's part of the deal. Hang in there, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Matthew. I know you talk a lot about your father in the book and uh, your, your father passed away just as you were getting to, started in your acting career here. My, my, both of my parents passed away before I became a father myself too. So I talk a lot about that parenting without parents which is uh yeah. creates a lot of different challenges and i know you talked about a lot what your dad was important was a uh, the rite of passage yeah do you have anything kind of set up like for your kids of, of a rite of passage obviously be a little different but do you have any kind of a uh, similar rite of passage that you would expect your kids to go through
1: well i mean i believe in rites of passage i believe that Through experiences, through hardships, through crisis, through overcoming things, through, you know, uh, being scared of the damn dark and understanding that you you still got to sleep through the night until the sunrise that builds character in a child. Um, You know, face we all have uh, every child has their own monsters in their proverbial dreams or the things they're fearful love. Maybe they don't want to cross the street. Maybe they don't want to go talk to strangers. Maybe they don't want to go up and, 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 and ask somebody for something. They come up and they ask us, hey, will you go ask for me? No, no, you you go do it. You go negotiate. I know you're scared of well if you if you're scared to go ask and try and get it for 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 yourself, well then you're not going to get it. So there are certain small rites of passages, but by eighteen or sooner, I mean I want I want my I want my children to have, you know, Cried the right kind of tears, sweat the right kind of sweat, the right kind of sweats, uh, um, been fearful of things and overcome them. Uh, You know, I call it this is what I call it. I call it like, you know, kids aren't afraid of heights until they fall out of the tree. And I think that it's a real art as a parent of when, how high of a limb do we go ask them to get down from? And I think sometimes we get them down from limbs that are too close to the ground. They need to fall down, get bruised. They need to fall down and go, oh, that hurt. Now, we don't want them to fall from a height so high that they're breaking their arm. But sometimes we go get them off that limb and go, no, 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 no. And we teach them to be afraid of heights before they ever fell. Now, maybe it's better for them to to have that fall where they go, oh, geez, that outcome didn't. I I feel a little pain from that. And you go, yeah, I, uh, you know, I. I, I told you, you know, or, or I didn't tell you, but it's what. How high is the limb that we tell them, "Hey, come on down, buddy," because we we fear for them. And sometimes, you know, we get them off of limbs too early that are too close to the ground, where actually they may they need they need to have that they need to fall down and get back up and learn that lesson. So yeah. there's all kinds of rights and practices. I go about it a different way than my parents did, but um, I'm still trying to instill the same values in them. Um, so again, so they can go out and negotiate life.
0: Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Right on with that, Matthew. And 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 one of the things, too, uh, when it comes to discipline, I, now you got the girl on the second try. I, it took us, we got three boys, then got the girl on the end. If we didn't get her on four, we'd have five by now, but we got her, and she runs the show over <laughs> here now. But uh, my discipline uh, philosophy is a little bit different. So what, what type of disciplinary are you as a father, and is it different with your sons than it is with your daughter?
1: Well, it is a little bit. I mean, it, it kind of goes a little bit personality-wise. Like, yeah, my daughter – you know, a raised voice to her, (gasps) penetrates her a lot more than say my youngest son. My youngest son wants to come up and actually, you know, keep pressing, keep pushing. You know what I mean? Um, So we've tried to find what's important to them that maybe we can take away if they're not, living up to their responsibilities, whether it's chores around the house, whether it's taking care of the dogs, whether it's manners in the house, whether it's attitude, what are the things we can take away? Now, some kids are more stubborn than others. My daughter doesn't need much at all. Like I said, man, just even raise your voice and you go, now, Vita, oh man, she that penetrates her. She goes off and <laughs> thinks about it. Well, I can do the same thing to my youngest son and that doesn't penetrate him. So for him, I said, okay, you know, for instance, we're going to take away, uh, um, Screen time. He didn't give a damn, man. He didn't give a damn for like a week. (laughs) And we're like, well, that didn't matter. But then I said, all right, you can have your screen time, but I'm taking away all balls. Whoa. That hit him. No balls, no football, no, 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 no basketball, no soccer ball. That hit him. So I was like, ah, we found the sweet spot. We found what really matters to him, which got his attention to go, okay, I get it. In his eight year old mind, i if I act this way, I will go without something that I love and that feels painful to me. I don't like that. Okay, so I'm going to get back in line and handle my duties. So it's different. You know, my eldest son is much more sensitive than my youngest son in that way. Um, he, if you explain something to him, you got to talk to him a lot more. But if you explain something to him and he clicks and gets it, he goes, Oh, I get it. I see what I did wrong. You're right. Thank you for letting me know. I'm not going to do that again. So he, so I, you got to, Deal with it different ways with, with different children, um, you know. And uh, you know, my my parents did it the old school way. You got in trouble, you just bent over, you got the whoop, and you moved on. <laughs> um, we don't Camilla and I don't choose to, to to discipline our children that way. And I'm not judging it as right or wrong. But we choose to go about it a different way. You know, parents these days we all we we talk and explain things to our kids a lot more than our parents probably did. You know, I grew up in the generation of my parents said, "Why do I got do this?" Because I said so, and that was it. <laughs> no explanation. Um, so yeah, I try to explain a little bit more, and my wife does too. Um, but even that, you can only explain so much, because if you, if you, if you, if you, you know, sometimes we all got those kids that if you keep explaining uh, over the dinner table, if you keep it up, you're gonna see that sunrise, and you're gonna still be explaining.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it goes back to what we were saying with the fatherless problem there, too, Matt. Like, I, I grew up, I always had that kind of wait till your father gets home, and that was enough to kind of set me on the straight and narrow. And if you don't have that type of, of discipline or that type of, um, not fear, but that kind of uh, awareness that there's this kind of consequence for this, I think it leads to these devastating results we see in our communities.
1: Well, and, and look, I, I don't want to discredit, and, and the world does like to discredit, fear as being the wrong kind of coercion. But uh, I know, I had a fear fear of my father. I think it was a healthy fear. I I write about this in the book. There are things I did not do when I was growing up that I shouldn't have done for fear of the consequences that my father would get me if I got caught. That I remember sitting there with peers about to go do something and me going, well, this will be real fun, but it won't be more fun then how unfun it's going to be if I get caught. No <laughs> thank you, <to> I'll pass. <laughs> you know, so there was a healthy fear, um, and so there there's a, there is I believe in a healthy fear that um, that leads into respect, that leads into oh, maybe you know, because if if whoever's at home with the kids during the day, there's a sort of a a daily ritual of a discipline, and so to know that oh. I know the way I grew up was mom handled day to day. And she handled it pretty damn well and clearly. Uh, but when that did come, as you said, wait till your father gets home. or I'm calling your father at work and dad's going, you're interrupting me at work. Wait, son, you did something that made your mom interrupt me at work. Gosh. <laughs> and you were like, oh, no. You know, and it, 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 that, there was a healthy fear there that I know I grew up with that I think you're, you're, you're leaning into talking about um, and not, not, not abuse, but a healthy fear. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a distinction
0: between the two. And I'll tell you what, you definitely don't hold back in the book, green lights. You really lay it all out there. Now, when you wrote the book, did you kind of have it in mind that, Hey, my children are going to read this one day. Like did that come into your mind and about how old would you want your kids to be before they do actually read the
1: book? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's the book's, Similar to like all the movies I've done, people ask me all the time, "What's your kids' favorite movies you've done?" I'm like, "Well, I haven't done many they can watch. <laughs> you know what I mean?" That's what, Until I went and did Sing 2, Sing, and Sing 2, and Kubo and the Two Strings, and maybe two or three more. But 40 of my 40 of my 50 films, my kids can't watch. They're not they're not ready for that yet. Now the book, they're not ready for that book yet either. The book, if they would read it now, they would have more too many. Questions and maybe be confused about. Wait, what does this mean? They wouldn't be able to get the context of situations. I'm, you know, I'm thinking around 15, 16, 60 will be around the age where they will understand what I'm talking about. They'll understand context of situations that um, uh, uh, that there was a cause and effect that I that I contradicted myself many times, and we do that going through life. That uh, to say to to say to not say some, my, you know, the way my parents raised me was wrong does not mean I 100 percent approve of the way they did. To approve of the way my parents did raise me, which I do, is not saying, oh, I'm going to raise my kids the same way either. So there's context um, that they still have to understand. And I'm guessing 15, 16 years old. Yeah, very cool. And how about this?
0: If they turn green lights into a movie who would you see playing a young Matthew McConaughey and who plays Matthew McConaughey? My son, Levi. Oh, very cool.
1: That'd be my son, Levi.
0: Yeah. And, and, and obviously you just mentioned there too, that you did sing, you did a couple of the projects for the kids so that they can see them and stuff like that. I know sing 2 That drops what later this year? What can we expect?
1: Yeah. Later this year, I believe Christmas this year, sing 2 coming out. Buster oh. moon. Yeah. And what about as far as yourself now, what kind of, um, what kind of goals
0: or, 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 or kind of uh, projects you have for yourself lined yeah. up here for the future?
1: Well, I'm looking at some leadership roles and what, what is my most useful position as as a leader? I, I, I feel like I've got some tools to help uh, inspire individuals to be more competent at our values. I believe that values. And f- redefining, again, a common denominator of values and expectations amongst us um, needs to be redefined. we got to put those on the table again. I believe that's the solid footing for, with which we can all, as a people, step forward, um, where those you know, values are those principles we can all agree on that don't have anything to do with who you voted on, that don't have anything to do with what church you went to, but they're social contracts between us. Um, that I can expect from you and you can expect from me and we can each expect from ourselves. I believe it starts with the individual, the person in the mirror, to sit there and look ourselves each in the mirror and say, hey, if I can be a little bit better at this today, and if you can too, and the next person can too, that's how we build a collective change. Um, that's, That's what I'm working on now that's new. And then, as you know, as a father, it's not like after you become a father, if you've still got children in the house, not necessarily about finding a whole bunch of new goals. It's about the things we've already built. Family, how do I let the roots as a father grow wider and deeper within my responsibilities as being a father, uh, with being a better husband? Um, So those are things that I've already started. There were original goals, but I still got a lot of work to do. As I said, fatherhood's a verb. Uh, Even husbandry is a verb. So how do I, you know, how do I keep building um, and, and, and help shepherd my children? I got a lot of work to do. Again, mine are 12, 10 and 8. I got the teens coming up, man. I hear that's a, a real roller coaster. So I got work to do. So it's it's, it's if I can if I can send if Camille and I can send three autonomous, independent, confident, conscientious young men and women out into the world. That'd make me the most happy.
0: Yeah, well, well said. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if we're going to uh, make this a better future for everybody, I think it's going to start at the dinner table rather than the ballot box. I think it's really I'm, important. I'm, I'm with
1: you. you. I'm with you right there because you and, you and I, we can, that's not overly intimidating. We can control that. It's hard, but we got a much better chance of controlling that. Um, And we got to remember, we put leaders in position to lead and whether they're are leaders that we want in position or not, even if they are the leaders that we want position, especially if they're the ones we want in that position, we got to remember they can't do the work for us. All they can do is lay out a vision that we may agree or disagree on or want to go on, but they cannot do the work for us. Um, And so, yeah, if we can, if we can handle, if we can handle our dinner table, enough of us handle the dinner table, we're handling a whole lot. Yeah, right on
0: with that. Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Matthew, I'd love to ask all the dads that get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
1: Well, first one is this. If you're about to be a father, the first six months after your newborn, your head, heart, and gut will never be more aligned in your life. You will never be, man is never more masculine. i don't mean macho i mean masculine the clarity of man's masculinity is 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 at its peak that first six months after having a newborn so anything you have instincts on any career choice or relationship choice you have at that time triple down on it man i mean quadruple down on it clean house clear the board because you you're aligned like you've never been before um you've just realized that you're on top of the world because you've helped bring in this new life. You just realize that you're not just living for yourself anymore. You have someone, a living being. You've got to shepherd through life. And that creates a, a really acute cl- clarity of awareness for a man. Um, and then, uh, two, um, like I said, fatherhood's a verb. The work just starts. You help make the baby. Now the work starts. It's your, you know, I make movies, but my children are my epic. You know what I mean? That's that's the one that, that I'm in production on them for the rest of my life and in hardcore production for the first 18 years of their life while they're in my house. That's and that's daily construction, maintenance, architecture <laughs> and and put the hard hat on, man. It's it's all there's it's hard. It's the it's the right kind of hard work. It's the right kind of hard, the best thing we could put out there is children in the world that 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 we can be honored to say they're our son or daughter, and they could be honored to say that we're their father.
0: Yeah, extremely well said. Uh, This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Matthew McConaughey, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood.
1: You got it. Let's keep it up.